Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. And thanks for joining us today, February 29th. Uh, I don't know if we call that leap day. Uh, on No Greater Delight, our podcast on Marian Feast and Marian Meditations. Um, so <laughs> my my right-hand man here, Father Christopher, tells me that there is no um, feast for today, February 29th. He says, I guess it's just uh, part of it has to do with the calendar change and part of it has to do with uh, the fact that we only celebrate this day once every four years. However, thankfully, Father Christopher found a very interesting fact here regarding the Julian calendar and its connection to the Feast of the Annunciation, right? To figure out why, why is it that we, in fact, have to celebrate these uh, leap years. So, this is what Father Christopher reports back to us. He says, in 45 BC, Julius Caesar ordered a calendar consisting of 12 months based on a solar year. This calendar employed a cycle of three years of 365 days, followed by a year of 366 days, a leap year. When it was first implemented, though, the Julian calendar also moved the beginning of the year from March 1st to January 1st. However, following the fall of the Roman Empire in the 5th century, the new year was gradually realigned to coincide with Christian festivals until by the 7th century, Christmas Day marked the beginning of the new year in most countries. By the 9th century, parts of southern Europe began observing the first day of the new year on March 25th to coincide with the Annunciation, right? The last day of the year was March 24th. It says, however, England did not adopt this change in the beginning of the new year until late in the 12th century. So then, because the year began in March, records referring to the first month mean March. Right? That makes sense. Uh, in fact, in Latin, September, sept means seventh month. October means the eighth month. November means the ninth month. And December means the tenth month. Right? So that's where we get those names from, interestingly enough. However, in the Middle Ages, it started to become apparent that the Julian leap year had overcompensated for the actual length of a solar year, having added an extra day every 128 years. However, no adjustments had been made to compensate. By 1582, the seasonal equinoxes were falling 10 days, if you will, too early, right? And that meant that some church holidays like Easter didn't even always fall in their proper seasons. So in that year, 1582, Pope Gregory XIII, authorized by means of the papal bull Inter Gravissimas, um, and most Roman Catholic countries adopted the Gregorian, or you could say the New Style calendar, right? If you recall then what happened was that as part of the change, 10 days were dropped from the month of October, so the 5th to the 14th of October, and the formula for determining leap years was revised so that only years divisible by 400 at the end of a century would be leap years, Right? And hence then, January 1st was established as the first day of the new year. So that's a, an interesting tidbit today, February 29th, to know that back in the day, the new year used to start on March 25th with the Annunciation. So today we continue our meditations taken from Pope St. John Paul II's Angelus Addresses. These can be found in the book edited and compiled by Father David Brown, entitled Marian Reflections, The Angelus Messages of Pope John Paul II. Today's Angelus message was originally given on December 4th, 1983, and it's entitled, The World's Salvation is Linked to Mary's Faith. The World's Salvation is Linked to Mary's Faith. This is what the Pope said on that occasion. Salvation comes from heaven, but it also springs from the earth, 
The Messiah Savior is the Son of the Most High, but he is also the fruit of the womb of a woman, the Virgin Mary. The history of salvation, which is the history of a covenant with God, unfolds in a dialogue between him and his people. Everything is word and response. Mankind's response of faith must follow God's creative and salvific word. This logic is present to the greatest extent in the fundamental event of salvation, the incarnation of the Son of God. Just as in Christ Jesus, the word of the Father, all of God's saving acts are summed up, so in Mary's response, the adherence of faith of God's people and all its members is summed up and reaches completion. In particular, Mary is the heiress and the completion of the faith of Abraham. Just as the patriarch is considered our father in the faith, so Mary, for all the more reason, must be claimed as our mother in the faith. Abraham is at the beginning, Mary at the summit of the generations of Israel. He anticipates and represents before God the people of the promise. She, a descendant of Abraham and a privileged heiress of his faith, receives the fruit of the promise. Through Mary's faith and obedience, all the families of the earth are blessed, according to the promise made to Abraham. The virgin's words, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be done to me as you say, evoke not only the figure and attitude of Abraham, but the picture of all the servants of the Lord who have collaborated with him in the history of salvation. More generally, Mary's words recall the words of the children of Israel at the foot of Sinai, on the day of the covenant. We will do everything that the Lord has told us. That's Exodus 24.3. Mary's response is personal, but it also has a community meaning. In her yes flows the faith of ancient Israel, and there has begun the faith of the church. Her fidelity to the Lord, through a solidarity of grace, is a blessing for all who believe. The world's salvation is linked to her faith.